Hello, this is Pastor Luke, and you are listening to the Henderson MB Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Our mission is to grow disciples and multiply churches who will glorify God and transform communities. For more information on our church, visit hendersonmbchurch.com. There's a lot of power in story. Um, A lot of power in story. Uh, A good story compels us. Uh, A good story inspires us. Uh, A good story makes us laugh. A good story makes us cry. Uh, We use stories to convey uh, morals. Uh, We use stories to convey bits of wisdom. Uh, We use stories to pass on history to the next generation. Uh, Some stories captivate us. We just get lost in it. Um, I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you finish like a really great book and at the end there's just kind of this weird sense of lostness and the rest of the world continues on and you're like, but I just finished this epic story and you almost need like a recovery time uh, after that happens. You could say that the Bible is one grand story. You could say that, it, that it's a collection of stories. Uh, at Trek we had a phrase that, that we would use. We would say that God will get the credit or the blame depending on how you tell the story. And the, the event or the story that kind of prompted that idea or, or kind of that proverb that, that we would share with people uh, is so that uh, in, in the years prior before I came, there was a young gal. She had done Trek. And uh, Trek leadership, you know, they chat with her. And, I mean, whatever. It was hard, but it's always hard, and that happens. But they also knew that she had had a really neat experience where she had led another gal to Christ and it was pretty powerful and impactful and that kind of thing. So at the end of Trek, there's kind of this celebration, dessert uh, thing at the end, and you people would hear stories and that kind of thing. And this gal got up to share with all these people and supporters and that kind of thing at the end. And she never once mentioned leading this other gal to Christ. Instead, she talked about how it was hard, and then she sat down. And in that moment, I mean, she didn't lie. She she didn't tell untrue things, but based on how she told the story and what she chose to dwell on, in that moment, God did not receive honor. God did not receive glory. God did not receive praise. Instead, he got the blame for something that was hard. Next week, the members of this church will vote on a new name for this church as as part of the rebranding process. As news of this vote, uh, as the results of this vote begin to spread... Uh, you guys are going to get asked questions. You may get asked a lot of questions. You may get asked hard questions. Maybe you'll get asked no questions. Uh, we'll see. But how do we tell the story? Uh, today I want to do two uh, main things. First, just review kind of the schedule and items and some of the technical details of the rebranding process over the next six months. But secondly, and, and more importantly, I want to equip you to tell the story. Maybe it's the church story. Maybe it's your your own story, your personal story. Maybe it's the story of the gospel. Maybe it's the story of a recent God sighting. Our lives are full of stories. Full of stories. And it's important to tell them. And it's important to tell them wisely and well and with wisdom and with understanding. Uh, When I was first planning on doing this sermon, I thought I would just uh, stand up and give a bunch of really good advice. And then I thought, yeah, that'd be pretty boring. Um, 
And then I thought, well, maybe I could get some people to, like, act out some stuff. And I thought, well, that's a lot of work for other people. Um, so instead, what happened is Kyle Ott, another guy here in town, he graciously helped me out yesterday afternoon. Uh, Janet let us sneak into perks after hours, and so we put together just some skits to, for just to help this out, just to break up the monotony. So, anyways, first one. Yeah, it's a really dumb idea. I've never been in support of it. But it seems like a neat opportunity to break gospel barriers and promote church involvement. I'm waiting for the entire thing to crash and burn, and when it does, they'll know I was right the entire time. That's unfortunate because I had a friend who was looking for a new church, but I guess I'll just tell him to steer clear of that for now. Yeah, you should do that. Two things on this, and, and they're kind of woven together. They, they feed off of each other. First, is the person you are talking with a confidant or a recipient? Big difference. And, and you really need to understand your, your audience on that. A, a confidant is, is a friend, a mentor. It's someone you can process your inner thoughts with, feelings with. I mean, they're, they're just a safe place to, to wrestle with, with the questions of your life. In both the highs and the lows... You need good confidants. You, you need people where you can just really kind of talk it through and wrestle it out, whether it was awesome, whether it was hard, that kind of spot. They're, they're just the places where you can be vulnerable and honest and, and just kind of drop the shields and any pretension and, and just kind of lay it out, bear with them. All of us need good confidants in our life. That said, we usually only have a very small number of, the, of these people in our life, a handful, one, two, five, six, I don't know, but, but it's a small number. The second thing, though, is a recipient. A recipient is someone you are sharing the story with for the purpose of building or strengthening their faith, right? The second idea, like we said earlier, is that God will get either the credit or the blame based on how you tell the story. So in Kyle Ott or his character or, you know, whoever, that guy, okay, if he were a confidant, First of all, he, he should have called me out just, just on my bad attitude. Secondly, we shouldn't have been having that conversation in a public place like Perks, or if we were, I mean, we would have been very aware of who was within earshot. But if he was a recipient, then I completely failed at giving God praise and glory, and instead I gave him blame. And I don't know if you caught it, but in the video, he redirected a church-seeking friend elsewhere because of my attitude toward the church. I mean, folks, even if you despise the idea of a name change, we can still find ways to talk about God where we bolster the reputation of God and of his church. I mean, we talk about his faithfulness. We talk about him being sovereign, even when things go in a direction we don't like or disagree with. We, we talk about his presence when things are hard. I mean, if people can praise God amongst wrecks and wheelchairs and death and sorrow, like we can do it in a rebranding experience. In all of this, I would never, ever advocate that we lie or misrepresent or embellish the truth. I mean, we keep our integrity, but at the same time, there is wisdom in understanding who we are talking to 
is this person a confidant? Is this person a recipient? I mean, is this someone where I process my thoughts and my feelings? Or is this where I share an honest story, but for the purpose of bolstering their faith in God, strengthening the, the reputation of Christ's church? And, and if I were to push that even further, I mean, if you really want to get into it, I would offer to you that, that as you share stories, th- this is how I picture it, is that every person's faith, it's kind of like a cup. And when I share stories, I fill that cup. But I must be wise because if I share too little, it doesn't do much. But if I share too much, it just gets wasted on the ground. Right? Like it just, it overflows, it spills, and it gets wasted. The, the point is to, to fill their cup, may, maybe expand it a little bit, but then that, like that's where I am with, with the stories. And so it's not just about... Is this a confidant or is this a recipient? But also, how much do I share? How much do I go into where it's the appropriate volume or the appropriate amount to bolster their faith, to increase their faith, to grow their faith into God, and to just grow their love in, in the church? Second one. Yo, Luke, I heard... Finally, a church with some modern class. I'm so tired of all the old people around here just, like, stuck in their ways, dude. Well, actually, our our core values haven't changed. That's why we're rebranding. We want to be a church community that helps people find fulfillment in Christ with as few distractions and as few hurdles as possible. Hmm. So, you're not, like, rebelling against the white Mennonite patriarchy that, like, suppresses this town? No. Huh. Dude, that's that's too bad. It is possible that people will read into this all kinds of theological, political motivations that just aren't there. Um, we will try to correct wrong thinking when we can. Some may believe us, some may not. Uh, we'll just we'll just do the best we can. Uh, our commitment to the Mennonite Brethren denomination is as strong as ever. Uh, Mennonite Brethren, I mean, we will still talk about it. It's still on the website. It's still on the printed material. I mean, I, I serve on the national board. I work for the missions agency. I, I went to their college and their seminary like I'm in. Like, I grew up Methodist, but like, I'm in people, okay? So, I mean, it's, we're, we're committed to this. Uh, we did a sermon series on the confession of faith a while back. That was a lot of fun. I had one person confide in me, someone who grew up in this church. They said, actually, that's the first time they'd actually read the confession of faith. And honestly, that's probably true for a lot of people. Because it's not like your Friday night reading material. Like, I'm bored. Should I watch Netflix or read our confession of faith? Right? Like, it, it just doesn't happen. So, uh, we are not breaking from the denomination. We're not breaking from the confession of faith. And, yeah, pe- who knows what people are going to read into this, and we'll just try to speak truth into that uh, as best we can. Third. You know, Luke, my great-grandfather was the 79th person to move to this community with his wife and started the 23rd farm in the area. His wife, she was actually a descendant of Mena Simons. And I think they would be rolling in their grave if they knew about this whole name change. Well, actually, I have another take on that. 
I would suggest that they're actually now part of the great cloud of witnesses described in Hebrews 11. And they're cheering us on and cheering on the advancement of the kingdom. In fact, they probably have more clarity than any of us on the importance of a kingdom-orientated mission. And they're probably more excited with the spirit of this decision than anyone. The old is in the grave. I was not expecting him to do that, and so um, that is called breaking character uh, when that happens. I think sometimes we don't give our, our ancestors uh, enough credit. I mean, our, 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 our biological ancestors did incredibly brave things. I mean, even just migrating over here from another country, I just, I, that, that took courage and foresight. Uh, that, that just boggles my mind. But our spiritual ancestors are as well. I mean, they were brave and, and they were courageous people. I mean, when this church was founded, I mean, that was controversial. There, there, a lot of stuff got stirred up over that. Uh, when the, this church first hired a full-time pastor, uh, when the building was relocated to town, when uh, various transitions and worship music, I mean, engagement in various missions activities, um, these, these were radical acts. And they were not done for the comfort of the existing members. If they had been thinking only of the comfort of themselves, they would have taken drastically different decisions. But, but instead, they, they made the, these bold moves. Uh, and like I said, I mean, part of that great cloud of witnesses in, in Hebrews 11. What's interesting about that passage is that it talks about throwing off every sin and hindrance. Well, I always thought that was the same thing. But, but then I, someone unpacked that for me, and it's actually two different things. We throw off sin... But some stuff isn't sin, but it's still a hindrance. Some stuff still holds us back from just the fullness of what God would lead us into. And we throw that off too because we're seeking this, this better reward, this heavenly reward, this eternal reward. And so even though it's not a sin, it's still a hindrance. And so we cast it off and, and we run forward. Um, I, yeah, I believe that, that those who now sit with Jesus have incredible clarity on importance and, and what importance and, and what is important and, and what it looks like to run the race with, with perseverance. Uh, let me shift gears here. A few logistical items and, and then we'll watch a few videos. Um, the vote. So the vote will happen next week. Craig is our uh, leadership team chair. He will facilitate the vote at the beginning of the church service, and then uh, he will announce the results of the vote after the church service. So, I, you know, in between, I'll talk about whatever, because no one's going to hear me or remember it anyway, so uh, just read out of the phone book for 45 minutes. And um, so anyway, so, so that'll be next week's sermon. Um, and then he'll do this. Uh, leadership has decided that, for, that this is for church members. And so there will be an envelope in the back. It'll have your name on it. And um, there'll be a ballot inside. Non-members who are bummed that you don't get to vote know that we are also bummed that you don't get to vote. And we would love for you to become church members. So you should become church members. And you don't have time to get it in before the church vote, but still, you should become church members. So when crazy stuff like this happens again, you can vote. If you are gone next Sunday, uh, or you just want to get your vote in early, uh, you can stop by the office, um, pick up your ballot, and drop it off. We'll have those ready uh, Monday at noon, 
And then, um, so I mean, you just stop in, fill it out, and then we'll have a, a box or a safe place to, to keep it. Uh, but we would ask that that would be done by Friday at noon. So, so your window is Monday noon to Friday noon for that. On the ballot, you will have a chance to circle your first choice and your second choice. And I'll not bore you with the Excel sheet and the math and the tally. Just know that, that your leadership team had a lot of nerdy discussions and debates uh, around voting styles and point systems and values behind different point systems, and it was all actually very enthralling. Uh, at one point, I was, I I was going to show you spreadsheets, but I won't because I realize the error of my ways, and I love you, so I'll not do that. Um, but, there, but one of the things, though, one of the ideas that, that I do want to convey, with three names, all right, if, with two names, it'd be different. But with three names, we recognize that there may be situations where someone says, you know what, I love this name, but honestly, like, I'm pretty cool with this name. Like, this would be my first choice, but like this one, yeah, yeah, I could, meh, yeah, I could do that. And so we just, we wanted to give voice to that second option. And so, and so, you know, you're, so how it's going to work is you'll, you'll circle your first choice and that gets five points and, and your second choice gets three points and we had nerdy discussion on points and why and that kind of thing. Um, but it just, it gives voice to that, that second option. What this means, though, too, is that at the end of the church service, Craig will stand up and rather than saying so-and-so wins with, you know, 40 or 50 votes, he will stand up and say so-and-so wins with 100 points or 150. I haven't done the math, right? But he'll give you points, not, not votes. Um, so, yeah, because there are three choices, we just wanted to create space uh, to give voice to your second choice. If you don't have a second choice, fine. Don't circle anything. Uh, but also you can't circle, like, the same name twice. Like, like that. Like, we're just, we're going to ignore that. Okay? You, that doesn't work. Schedule. All right. So next week we decide a name. After that, externally, nothing happens. Not yet, anyways. Nothing happens. Internally, we now have heaps of work. Uh, one of the first things that happens is we uh, find a graphic artist, we take the name, some of the values expressed in that name, create a logo, create a defined font set, create uh, a defined color scheme all around that central message. Uh, I file some paperwork called doing business as, uh, so we're not changing our historic name, but then I file this and then it lets us do business with banks and financial institutions and all that other kind of stuff. We craft a 12-month marketing plan from January to January on how to roll out uh, the name to the various audiences, locals, uh, non, or local non-church members, broader NB family, that kind of thing. Each audience kind of needs a, a different uh, communication strategy. Um, uh, so we do that. We start, and we start planning Harvest Missions Festival. And this was Frida's idea, and the leadership team loved it, and so we ran with it. But, but the plan is to use Harvest Missions Festival as the big event to roll this out. So Last year, we, we shifted Harvest Missions Festival from a one-day event to a three-weekend event. And so we're going to keep that. And so one Sunday focuses on looking back, saying goodbye, remembering history, lots of great stuff. One Sunday is focused on looking forward, celebrating, that kind of thing. Uh, and then another Sunday, of course, I mean, we still need to look to missions and outreach and that kind of thing. So Harvest Missions Festival, end of November, will be kind of the big event where, where everything kind of goes public. 
Uh, websites need editing and, and preparation. New business cards need printing. Uh, the pens that are in the pews, uh, they, new ones need to be ordered. So take a pen when you go today because we got a whole bunch more of those and we got to do something with them. Uh, new signs out front need to be ordered, all different kinds of stuff. So after next Sunday, externally, nothing happens. Uh, internally, lots of work to do, uh, and, and we're going to need help, okay? This is way bigger than Joni and I, so uh, if you got some time, come talk to us. We may shoulder tap some of you, but we're, we're going to need help because it's just way too big for us. Harvest Missions Festival, everything rolls out at once. Uh, you can certainly start talking to people. I mean, there's no need to hide anything, but kind of that public transition is Harvest Missions Festival. Okay, next video. The Mennonite Church is changing its name. Yeah, the Mennonite Brethren Church is changing its name. Yeah, that's what I said. No, we're the, we're the Mennonite Brethren Church. So the Mennonite Church is changing their name. N no, the, the Mennonite Brethren Church is changing yeah, that's what I just said. Okay. No, the the Mennonite Church is not changing its name. They're not. Correct. The Mennonite Church is not changing its name. Yes, that is true. So there are no Mennonite churches changing their name. You got it. So there aren't any churches changing their name? Uh, no, we are changing our name. Your church is changing its name. That's right. But you just said no Mennonite churches are changing their name. Yeah, that's correct. So the Mennonite Church is changing their name. Uh, no, they're not. But you are. Yes, that is correct. So are any churches in town changing their name? Yes, they are. So there is a church in town changing its name. You got it. And you know which one. I do. Well, would you be willing to tell me? I would love to. Which church is changing their name? The Mennonite Brethren Church. But that's what I just said. Okay. FEBC. Yes. Not changing their name. Your church. Absolutely. The Mennonite church. Yes. Not changing their name. And you're certain. Absolutely positive. The church on the west side of town. Yes. Changing its name. Oh, Castle Church is changing its name? I love the name Castle Church. They just should have kept that. Mennonite is a people group, right? Just like Swiss, Italian, Spanish, whatever. Mennonite is a people group. Mennonite is also a denomination, the one across town. Mennonite Brethren is a denomination. That's the one you're sitting in now. I was in seminary before someone finally kind of laid that out and, and like articulated that to me, and it just brought so much clarity. Uh, because we have the one word that you use multiple ways, it can create confusion. Um, and so once again, as you're talking people, to understand the audience, to understand the person you're talking with, and just wherever they're at, to bring, to bring clarity into that. Uh, remember, we are not leaving a denomination. We're only rebranding. Next one. I hear your pastor is forcing your church to change its name. That's that's a real shame. It's horrible to strip you of your Christian identity and all. 
Well, actually, I am the pastor, but this idea was actually initiated, researched, and approved by our congregation over the last year and a half. By the time we're done, it will have been a 22-month process. A lot of prayer and discussion has gone into this, and it's been a good opportunity to re-examine our core values and the core of why we exist as a church. We even found minutes from a meeting probably 10, 15 years ago where this idea was first suggested. Ah, so it is the pastor's fault. Watch out for that guy. He's pretty shady. I have a pastor friend in Oklahoma, and um, uh, the church that he leads decided to change their name, took a long time to do it, votes, uh, all different kinds of stuff. For months afterwards, people would come up and accuse him personally of just orchestrating this whole thing by himself. Um, people will have all kinds of assumptions about how this came about. Uh, disproportionate blame and credit is just going to go everywhere. And so once again, we'll try to sp do our best to speak truth into it. But, um, you know, you, we do the, the, the best we can. We tell the story. We tell it well. We, we tell it wisely. Uh, remember, am I giving God the credit? Am I giving God the, pl the blame? Uh, is this a confidant? Is this a recipient? Um, sometimes less information is more, especially early on in the discussion and as they're sorting through it. Uh, I will also say have a plan for telling a story because just winging it typically just doesn't go well. And um, err on the side of being brief. I mean, if, if this is new to them and they're still kind of hesitant on them, uh, you're not going to win them over in a conversation. Like, give them time. Give them space, you know. Give them some of the reasoning and then just let them kind of ruminate on that for a while. You and I have had months, uh, years, really, almost, to, to work through this, process this, you know, think through this, that kind of thing. For some people, as you talk to them, this will be the first time they've heard of it. Give them time. You know, give them space. Let them go through that process that you and I have been going through for the last year and a half. And I mean, like I said, by, you know, if you figure from when this was first suggested, the Harvest Missions Festival, I mean, we're just shy of, of two years. Uh, be articulate, uh, be confident, and, and you don't have to apologize about this. I mean, th this is a decision, and, and we stand by it. Okay, last one. Stephen's name? Yep. No longer Mennonite brethren? That's correct. What is a Mennonite? That is a good question. Last week, just, I mean, within the last seven days, Joanne is having a conversation with a young person from Bradshaw, works here in town, a uh, church comes up. And, uh, well, what church you go to, whatever, that kind of thing. Well, Mennonite brethren conversation. And the question was, what's a Mennonite? Totally caught Joe off guard. I mean, she just wasn't ready for it in that moment. Kind of fumbled through an answer, uh, but eventually kind of got, got through it. Uh, and this other person concludes, um, yeah, I've heard there are a lot of Mennonites in this town. I, I should probably figure out, like, what that is or, like, who they are. Um, for many of us, the word Mennonite is completely normal. For a lot of people, it is brand new. And so once again, like, how do you respond that and, and kind of bring clarity in that? When someone asks about church, and they ask any question, in this situation, it was, what's a Mennonite? 
really they're asking two questions. Because really the first question is the obvious question, and that is, who are you? Like, what do you stand for? Like, like what, what, are your, what are your beliefs? But the second more subtle question and the second more deeper question is, is this a place that I could fit? Is this a place that I could find a home? Is this a place where, where I could find just family and community? All right? The second unspoken question is, could I fit in to that? And once again, how do we, how do we answer that question? Um, we actually recorded this one with two different endings. Um, one is just simply, you know, what is a Mennonite? Well, that's a very good question. Uh, the other ending was, well, you don't know what a Mennonite is. How dumb can you be? And that's based on a natural conversation that I had with someone. And they were talking about, it's like, people don't know what a Mennonite is? How dumb can you be? And, and, and I'm hoping and trusting that it was kind of one of those sort of like flippant things where it just kind of like wasn't really kind of thought through. And, 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 I, and I held my tongue. But, I mean, in the moment, I kind of wanted to be like, well, okay, what do you know about our Congolese congregations? Or our Ethiopian congregations? Or our Slavic congregations? Or our Hispanic congregations, right? Like, tell me about Congolese culture, given that there are, I don't know, double, triple the number of Mennonites over in Congo than there are in Canada and the U.S. combined. Right? I mean, it's just, it's not a very hospitable attitude when our response is, oh, you don't know what a Mennonite is? Like, how dumb can you be? Mennonite's a people group. It's a denomination. Mennonite brethren is a denomination. It's confusing. We got one term used for a lot of different things, and it just muddies the water. And so we have to speak clarity into that. If people ask you what is a Mennonite, you have to find out if they're asking about culture and heritage or theology, right? So if it's a cultural heritage term, like, that's great. Go for it. Like, be proud of it. Like, tell the stories with vigor and pride. But if they are asking a theological question and you respond with a people group answer. So here's what happens. What is it that a Mennonite believes about Christ and gospel and and all that kind of thing, right? It's a theological question. And we respond with Varenica or Malachna or the great-great-grandfathers or that kind of thing. What we have subtly done is that we've actually killed the gospel because we have just communicated to that person that this church is only for a particular people group and that actually because you're not part of that people group, you're not welcome here, which is the, 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 the opposite of, of the gospel. And so it's, I mean, if it's a heritage question, awesome, but if it's a theological question, like we just, it's two questions, and so we must respond appropriately and differently to them. And so once again, this comes back to, as you're speaking with that person, right, who's my audience? What, what is it that they're asking in this? What are the subtle things that, that they're actually asking in, in this? So next week, we get the privilege of voting on, on a new brand, part of the, the rebranding process. It's not the fullness of, of, the, of a rebrand, but it is the largest piece. We have three really great options. I will gladly support and throw my weight uh, behind whichever one is decided. Uh, it is still my fervent prayer that th- there's one that just really comes forward and is the, the clear, decisive winner, and that just all of us, through prayer and conversation with others outside the church, we have uh, clarity. 
Um, as I've had conversations with people, there's one distinct name that, that has received favor. Um, you know, I'll, in casual conversation, I mention the options, and um, if, if they say anything, they have always uh, spoken in favor of one particular name. So for me, that's going to inform how I vote. Um, and I'm hoping that you guys have had similar conversations with people and are listening to go, what's the response to, to each and what do people hear in it and, and what do people kind of pulling out and understanding from, from each one. So, we tell the story, but we are wise about it. Um, is it a confidant? Is it a recipient? How much of the story is the person ready to hear? Uh, we keep it brief if we're not sure. Understanding our audience in the moment, correcting errors where we can. Uh, and in all of this, though, remember the big question is, how do I give God the credit and not the blame? Amen. Let's pray, and then we'll be done. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to tell the story, to tell your story. And... Uh, Lord, there's lots of stories in our life. I mean, as we get ready to, to vote and rebrand, there's going to be stories associated with that. But even just within our own lives, Lord, there are stories. And uh, they're good and they're powerful and they're full of you. Some of our stories are still in a place of healing. They're, they're not really ready to be shared. Uh, some of them are, are just in, in those beginning stages. And some need to be shouted from the rooftops. Lord, when we tell the story, it has power to stir up praise and worship in the hearts of the recipient. So, Lord, as we tell the story, as we tell the story of this church, and not just this vote, but the heritage of this church and the future of this church, as we tell our stories, we tell stories of God's sightings, as we tell other stories. May we understand our audience in the moment and, and share the story in such a way that it it stirs up hope, that it stirs up faith, that it stirs up worship. Lord, that, that it bolsters your reputation and your fame and, and, that, and that it strengthens the reputation of the local church, whether this church or, or another local church. God, you have entrusted us with a powerful thing in entrusting us with story. And Lord, we want to be good stewards of that. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you were enriched and encouraged. If you have questions about Christ or church or would like more information, visit our website at hendersonmbchurch.com or email me directly at luke at hendersonmbchurch.com. We hope you have a fantastic week. Take care and God bless.